Rubbish. Sorry. Such a knob. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Publish Perishable Podcast, your opportunity to see if science wears an adult diaper just because it's lazy rather than for some actual medical reason. I'm Andrew Stapleton. Joining me today is Cameron Shearer. Present. And Christopher Gibson. Just soiled my adult diaper. (laughs) Out of all the people here, Chris, if someone is going to wear an adult diaper... All three of us. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It's absolutely going to be you. I can't deny that. Yes, yes, yes. Of the three of us, I'm probably the one closest to the age where it would be required. Have I you... would, I would just say that I don't. I, I have the fear of missing out. So maybe that would be a situation where I'm wearing an adult diaper if I just don't want to leave an area <laughs> for some bastard. reason. Yeah, I quite happily wear an adult diaper, like on a plane, for example. Yep. I think if you're in the middle seat or in the window seat. Just and you know, just for wheeze, not not number twos. There's no, no one way. wants to ask someone else to to stand up. No, that's right, because everyone knows what you're doing. You're gonna go do a big pee. Oh yeah, I don't like that. Uh, yeah, we can segue into our regular segment, Gibson's funny stories. Gibson's funny stories. Yeah, and so I know a guy who, uh, as an experiment, him and a mate decided to wear an adult diaper and urinate in it. Andy. Yeah, so that mate was me. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> so a friend of a friend of, of mine in uni, we used to order stuff for each other on the internet, just like free samples. Okay. And we managed to find these adult diapers, and so we got one, and we got it, and you know, ha ha ha, funny, funny, funny. Uh-huh. And then on the on the label it said full bladder release, <laughs> and I was like, no. Absolutely no way can is this going to hold like an entire bladder, mm. like full bladder release. So we ordered another one, and one night we invited our friends around. What was wrong with the first one? Oh, you wanted two. We wanted two because okay. yeah, yeah, he wanted to do it as well. That's good scientific research. Exactly. A sample size greater than one. <laughs> yeah, That's what you yeah. To do. yeah. I, I respect that. And yeah. so we invited a few friends over. I drank nine pints of water, which is close to the, what I found out later to be the limit at which your brain starts swelling. That's beyond. dangerous. Yeah. That's actually well, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you not think you would pee otherwise? I, or I, you wanted? I wanted full, full bladder. bladder. You like, read that. I wanted it to be as painful as possible before releasing urine. Um, oh, and it does and doesn't make sense at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, so we um, we stood in bin bags in our living room, and in bin bags, bin bags, oh, bin bags, bin bags. <laughs> yeah, bin bags would be really weird. <laughs> it was a, it to a whole theme. new level. Yeah. Very yeah. specific. <laughs> um, and we yeah, so we invited about four friends around who sat, and just before because I couldn't hold the wee in anymore like it was physically painful and i remember the moment of someone going like i don't feel comfortable with this and then like, <laughs> i just let myself go like i couldn't control it anymore and then a few people left the room because of the smell <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, the outcome of the experiment that, did you full bladder release and incorrect oh Ooh. i reckon like uh 25 percent bladder release uh, i reckon after about a quarter of halfway through that like ah uh, 
it just started running down my legs. <laughs> and you know those on cruise ships, they have those, um, the the inflatable like life rafts that <laughs> yeah, you see yeah. kind of unfill. Like, <laughs> that's what it felt like between my legs. <laughs> like as I was weeing, I felt it just go like... <laughs> expanding yeah yeah oh and then dear. popping yeah oh yeah it's absolutely gross so yeah well done chris wow. good segue no worries man no worries news from the past fortnight so i've got something i want to start off with mm-hmm. please and it's feedback from a listener oh oh awesome i know what they want they want more gibson they did say is chris older than you no yeah yeah, yeah. he's a fair <laughs> bit older but no um he said that Ready, drum roll. What was that, Chris? <laughs> um, Cameron, you're wrong. Uh, what? Yeah, we've got feedback. Cameron, you're wrong. I disagree with this person. <laughs> Cameron's wrong because apparently, Chris, you were right. About what? What? Hang on. Tid and titbits. No, I looked Ooh. it up. Yes. It's tidbits. He says <laughs> that it's tidbits for food, for little morsels of stuff, and okay. titbits for information. Oh, I'm gonna have to look this up. <laughs> yes, I'm not. I'm not conceding. Yes. I'm not conceding. That, that is such sweet victory. Oh. Take that smile off your face. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been proven yet. This is just someone against camera now. Did you this look is... up? Did you look up this? No, because I, what I like is just. The uncertainty <laughs> of Cameron maybe no. being wrong. Oh, I'm certain. I'm absolutely <laughs> certain. Oh, listeners, can you can you hear me smiling? Beam. So news. Uh, yes. Um, on Scopus, I now have 988 citations, moving in on to a thousand. Well done. Oh. Mm, yeah. Yeah. When I hit a thousand, we'll have a special episode just celebrating that. A and memorial like to- episode because you are dead. <laughs> no. What do I mean? <laughs> Uh, and what we'll do is during that episode, the whole hour and a half, we can go through some of the most, you know, the, the best citations of my work and things like that. All Does right. That what we'll good? do when you get to a thousand, we'll do your paper hits and paper like flops of your career. There's none of that. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no floppage. Hits and flops. They're all hits. They're all hits. Um, so this past week, I received an email from the HR department saying... Dear Andrew, we have it on record that you have a PhD. Can you send through some evidence of your PhD? Now you're going to be found out. Yep, it's all (laughs) falling apart. The house of cards. Here we go. This is explaining a lot, that first sentence. Yep, yep. here we go. So I I went online and I went (laughs) onto a website where you can print off fraudulent PhDs. (laughs) Really? Here we go. Here we go. And it's from... I've got it here for you to see. It's from the World Global University. Oh, the international. It's international. Yeah, oh, it's a great, it's a great institution. Um, so I'll pass that across the table so you can have a look at my PhD. Whoa! Oh wow! So it's completely rubbish, right? Magic Mill diploma. I wouldn't think that Les N. Toomey Jr. would would put a fake signature on as the president of World Global University. <laughs> Um, so I, uh, what you'll notice about that is I'll put it up on the Facebook page as well when this episode comes out. May um, 2012? I think May, that's about right. Yeah, that's about right. Mm. Actually, it's May 2011, I think. I got that wrong. 
but I, anyway, I, I put that up on uh, I, on the email. So I was like, made it, <laughs> PDF'd it, sent it and said, hi, whoever, uh, please find attached the evidence you require. Regards, Andy, right? And up today, I was expecting an email back to say, uh-uh. all right, you've had your laugh, send me through your, your diploma. I got an email back saying, hi, Andy, thank you for sending the information. I have updated your details accordingly. <laughs> you, you sent that through to the HR, yeah. you cheeky motherfucker. <laughs> you are feeling very secure in your job, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah, yeah so yeah. apparently you can just send fake PhDs to HR and they just file it away. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Can you? Yeah. Who knew? And is this exactly what you sent? Exactly. With Half a page. Was it colour at least? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> with you, the website yes. along the bottom of the page. Yeah, because it, it printed off as a HTML document. So it's when you print it, it's got the, the, the address bar down the bottom. <laughs> oh, my God. Our subject for today is ideas. Now, Mm, when you start a project, you kind of have to come up with ideas almost Mm. from nowhere. You know, you read literature. So when Mm. you, so I guess yeah, let's start there. When you start a project, what do you do, Cameron? Well, I guess I kind of have an end goal in mind. Yeah. Um, So at the moment, it's solar cells. Yeah. So turning the most sunlight into electricity as possible. And then it's really looking at the literature. What do I know and where do I feel like I can do something new and better? Yeah. Now, one thing I found is for me, I can read too much literature. There's a point where you just have to just start doing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people put that off maybe for, for too long. It's kind of like you can always know more. Yeah. And there's a mm-hmm. sense of kind of trepidation to kind of jump in and just start doing things because you've got to get it wrong. Mm. And I guess people just maybe don't like that feeling. Mm. Mm. I think that's probably pretty true. Yeah. yeah. Chris, you probably haven't started a new project for a while. Uh, well, that's not entirely... <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's half true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think for me, it's probably... When I think about the ideas I've had, have I ever had a really new idea on a new area of research? Probably maybe not. It's often... Some researchers are already going on, and yep. then I would come up with an idea to improve that, mm. make it better, yep. or gather some sort of new information from a certain technique. Yeah. So there's a new idea, but it's within an established area. Yeah. So it's not like I've ever come up with like, all right, here's a brand new way of imaging a surface or yeah, anything yeah. like that. So for me, that's probably Because you've been ideas. in your position for how many years now? Since 2008, March 2008. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there are opportunities you have to come up with ideas yourself, mm-hmm. but then there's always projects where you're asked to do something yeah. and then you have to come up with an idea within that framework. Yeah. And that's quite different. So, for example, mm. the recent paper that we're all on, the graphene thickness paper. Oh, is that the really popular one that Cameron keeps on getting emails about? The really popular one. 800 sites now on uh, nanotechnology. <laughs> Nearly got a citation no, recently. sites. Oh, Downloads. Downloads. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were just being like really outrageous <laughs> no, then. But, you, know, you just, no. old man confusion got you. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't what you'd call, uh, <laughs> that was an idea that was basically, let's do something that might improve the measurement of 
of a particular parameter. Yeah. And let's do it perhaps using a, a, a new technique, but not a technique we developed. Yeah. But within that, ex- those experiments, we came up with, with yeah. new ideas, I guess. So yeah. to come up with a really, really brand new idea that's absolutely groundbreaking, I think it's quite hard. And I, I tell you what, I don't, I don't think it happens like that. Mm. I, th- I think there's maybe a misconception that you kind of come up with something that you either prove or disprove and then move on. I think the way it's worked for me at least is you read, you start to do things and then ideas come from the things you do. And yep. yeah. then when you look back, so then you create this thing and you look back and really it's the mm. culmination of a series of small decisions and ideas brought together rather than one properly planned thing. Because I, I think... If you're waiting for that, like you said, it doesn't happen very often. Mm. So if you're waiting for it, you're going to never do science. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably fair. So what? How, what, how much weight do you put on on the idea? So when someone comes up with a new idea, how important is that to a field of research? Because I've I've talked to people and they're like, ideas are cheap. Like I have a meeting with my supervisor and they can throw ten or twenty ideas at me. Yeah. Because ideas are easy to come up with. Mm. But then the person who has to enact those ideas, yeah. that's where really all the work is. Yeah. And different people have different ideas about how much ideas are worth. Yeah. Boom. Do you see I worked ideas in? Yeah. Well done. To that. Did you just boom great. yourself? I did. I boomed myself. It's almost all as the bad time. as a mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. yeah. No. So I don't know. What, how do you, what, what weight do you put on ideas? Do you think ideas are cheap, or, or? Um, I think I think that it's very easy to come up with bollocks. Mm. It's very easy to blah blah blah. I think the, the mm-hmm. ideas that I like to think I create are at least sort of you know you re- like I said you know when I start I read the literature and then I kind of form an idea around that. The ideas you're talking about is someone sat in a room mm. who have this like bing moment, but yes. really it's not based on anything other than what you've just said. Yeah. So I wouldn't give much weight to that idea at all. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they said to me, Andy, I've been reading these papers for the last two weeks, and I yeah. think there's this, really something in yeah, this. Then yeah. I would put a lot of weight on that idea. But I think ideas that are thrown up in meetings yeah. without any prior kind of information are almost certainly going to be bollocks. Mm, that's a good distinction. Yeah, there you go. yeah. Hey, that data point. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose some supervisors will, will you know, different supervisors will have different attitudes towards ideas that are generated from within their group. Yeah. So some will be like, oh, well, anything you guys think of, because I pay you and you work for me, mm. it's the same as me having that idea. Mm-hmm. While the supervisors are a bit more, no, no, that's your idea. You run with it as, as, as far as you can. Yeah. That'll depend very much on the supervisor. Like a truly cohesive group would consider every idea everyone's, I guess. Mm. Until someone maybe wants to take ownership of it. Like if yeah. a group's got this kind of pot of ideas that everyone knows about and someone goes, I like it, I'll run with it. Mm-hmm. Then that's kind of, okay, that's yours. You go with it, you do what you want. Um, but there's so much weird stuff that goes on about protecting yeah. ideas. I've heard so many weird stories. Of people just not saying something or yeah. they'd start a conversation and they would just would all of a sudden just... Go quiet yeah. because mm. they don't want to tell you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I thought we were just talking. Yeah, yeah. And even to the point where people in labs kind of lock away their lab book mm-hmm. and 
Um, or don't write what experiment they're doing or yeah, what that's chemicals right. they're using. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever worked in a in a lab group like that, but I've definitely mm. heard of groups like that without a doubt, mm. without a doubt. Or I have worked in groups like that and I was oblivious to it. Yeah. That is also quite possible. Yeah. Because I'm oblivious to lots of things. <laughs> like cleanliness. <laughs> but I think where we're at as, well, Andy and I as junior scientists and Chris is someone who doesn't have students underneath you at the moment. Not at the moment. No, it's, I don't. Yeah. It's quite difficult for us, the ideas that we have to action on them mm-hmm. when we already have a full workload of our own. Um, it's normally better to tell them to someone right and it's just really a matter of really choosing who to say hopefully to someone who would then put a student onto it yeah or to you know say oh that's a good idea maybe just you know put your one of your projects on hold for a while and and pursue that for a little bit yeah 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 Yeah. it's 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 tough because i'm employed on a project and so all of my ideas really should evolve around that project yeah but there's a lot of side ideas that you have which after re- most of them are bollocks they're kind mm-hmm. of something you think about you go that'd be interesting but you have to be brutally honest with yourself and say that idea is probably very bad and you know i'll write it down but i'll, I'll not do anything about it um, but being on short-term contracts it's kind of it's hard to find the inspiration to follow an idea. Mm. You know what I mean? Like even though if you think something's really good, really you're, I'm employed to do one thing and produce yes. one thing and to to embark on this new little side study is, you know, a, maybe haven't got the, the drive for it. Well, and side projects never last for one week. No, no that's no, right. Yeah. You think it's just one no, no, experiment. No, no. They're, they're months out. at least. But I think it is, uh, particularly for postdocs, really important that, they do have side projects that potentially can yield publications because, mm. you know, you're you're tied to that main grant. Yes. And there is no guarantee that that main grant is based on anything good. <laughs> right. You know, you, you could end up working on that grant for three years and if you only work on that, nothing may come out of it in terms of papers. Mm-hmm. But little side projects, you can potentially publish more papers on that. But I, I think the important thing is if you let your supervisor know and let them be aware that you'll get your name on those papers. Most of them are okay with that, I think. Yeah, I, I think, think most so. of them are okay with that because really they're after publications and people can cleverly tie these side projects to the main projects as well. Mm. You know, that is possible to do. Mm. Yeah. So you touched on it earlier, Chris, like owning a project. Mm. Sorry, I'll start that again. You touched on it earlier, Chris, owning an idea. Like... As research scientists, who really owns our ideas? We've talked about our groups mm. or our supervisors, but ultimately, who owns them? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, there would be people at the university who would say the university owns the idea. Yeah, you know, technically, you're supposed to hand in your lab so books when you when you're in you an intellectual property legal standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's the university who owns it, but the there is some like agreement that there's any money comes out of it. Like a student, for instance, I w- would get some percentage. Yeah, and it's predefined at least at where we work. Mm. Mm. So if I'm working as I am now on mirrors, and I have an idea to 
invent or an idea for a new garden hose, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think the university still owns that. Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, they probably would claim some sort of I remember of in industry, yeah. that yeah. being the rule, yeah. that when I worked yeah, at Dino Nobel, they said anything really you, as you invent here or you come up with, you have to... If you want to take it further, if you want, if I want to take this garden hose and use it in the world and make money from it, the Dino Nail Bell have to give me the rights to it to say, yes, we're not interested. You go and do whatever you want with that. But I think in academia, you definitely have situations where you come up with an idea at one institution. You might even start some of the work on that idea. Yeah. You then have to move to another one because your contract's finished. Yeah. And then you start that idea up again at another university. Yeah. I mean, I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, that idea has basically travelled over two universities, mm-hmm. but you know, obviously, then I own that idea. Yeah, I guess you know, I still, I still put authors from both institutions on the paper, right, on the papers. So yeah. I guess that's in how in academia you might get around that sort of thing. Mm. But patents, obviously, are totally different, aren't they? I mean, you've got much more experience with that than than I have. A patent, a patent, a patent. A patent, patent is patent or patent. Patent. Who, who owns that in the end? It's not patent. Because <laughs> what they do is they get it's some. <laughs> they get patent? some. They get some Renaissance artists to draw up the initial draft. <laughs> I've got a cold, so I'm a bit nasally at the moment. So that that was mm. a slip of the nose. Oh, that okay. was a slip of the nose. And as a Queenslander, you can't. You don't want to be any patent? more nasally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so what happens with a patent? A patent. Oh, uh, well, yeah, university owns it. That's yep, it. That's yep, that's it. University. So, Andy, you are a, uh, a co-author pro- on a, a provisional, pro- patent provisional patent. Holder. Yeah. So when your transparent conducting electrode makes a million dollars in sales, yep. profit, yep. Uh, what ma- amount are you expecting to get in your pocket? Very, very little. Because I think that the even though you're a named um, inventor, like the university decides the university gets the profit um, and then it decides how much is going to go it decides it decides yeah well I mean I'm sure today I decide yeah zero (laughs) (laughs) but it's a good point I actually don't know what is the smallest amount we can give (laughs) these guys and tomorrow I decide (laughs) zero (laughs) is that the process I when when does this meeting happen I like this guy I I think it's already set out isn't it there must be some sort of enterprise bargaining agreement somewhere where they go you will get zero So have you, has anyone ever felt like they've had an idea, you could say stolen or just say taken and then not been given due respect or, or anything like that for an idea? I feel like sometimes I've said something in a meeting to my supervisor yep. and he's gone hmm, and we leave okay. and then like two meetings later, he's gone to me, <laughs> Andy, do you think we should and said the idea back to me? And I'm like, you fucking bastard. Uh, you don't go, mm. <laughs> I should. I just, mm. 
It's rubbish. <laughs> I have a I have a, an idea or two where um, an academic I've worked with has gone has said to me, uh, "Oh yeah, that's that's really interesting." Yeah, and it and then said, "Yeah, I'll get um I'll give that to a student of mine who can um then work on that." But then they have cut me out after that point. And I'm like, you can't, you know, I, I did feel a bit like you can't take my idea, give it to a student and then start potentially publishing work on it yeah. without giving me the option of being involved. Yeah, okay. But I think that does happen. I definitely yeah. think that happens, you know. I think I've got a story going both ways on the ideas. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh, so- both ways. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, Chris. It's been a while for you, isn't it? <laughs> so I, you know, no. as a, in the situation where we are, where I really don't have time to do that much research myself i do sometimes bring an idea to someone who i think could then action it further better than what i can yeah and a lot of times it comes to nothing sometimes it comes to me say co-supervising or helping a student yeah but there is one time where an exact project that i laid out was later published Mm. and i had no idea of any i didn't even know that that project started after i uh had felt like I seeded it, but I, I mean, at the same time, like I see that and it's exactly what I said, Yeah. but I don't know if they like, it's just an idea. They could have come up with it before I said it. They didn't say that to me. Yeah. And they also could have just completely forgotten that we had that conversation. I reckon it's that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like your supervisor a while ago, a month later, all of a sudden they've just gone, Oh, <gasps> <laughs> Eureka! <laughs> Time to run naked. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that exact thing has happened yeah. to me where I once had someone uh, say they showed me how to do a particular thing. Yeah, and while they were showing it to me, they said, "You know, this is pretty good, but if you look at these four papers, these guys have an even better idea mm-hmm. on on the way to." on how to do something. Yeah. And so I ended up having a paper where I used the suggested method plus the method I got shown. Yeah. And then when I wrote the paper, I completely forgot <gasps> about that input from that person. Oh, yeah. And I mm. found out about two years later oh, that they were angry at me about it. Wow. How did you find out? Like through the grapevine? Version? Yeah, through <gasps> the grapevine. Oh. Mm. Well, I guess that does happen then. Yeah. How did yeah. you feel? I still feel a bit guilty about yeah. it, and I haven't mentioned it to them. <laughs> That's the way. Mm. Yeah, bury Typical, it. Into, yeah, yeah. Just ignore, ignore the, Is it ignore po- the pain. Was that me? And I've forgotten that that happened. <laughs> Chris, do you know where you are? <laughs> Am I at Cameron's or your place? And it, no, no, yeah. Look, I, I think that's that's innocent. You didn't do it on purpose. It happens to lots of people because we're involved in so many different things. We read so much stuff mm. that I think sometimes a, an idea that someone else has perhaps can metamorphosize into what we think are our own. Yeah, you know, uh, I think that does happen. But at the same time, w- when someone comes with an idea, I, I don't have any problem putting them on a paper. Yeah, I think sometimes there can also be a bit of resistance where someone comes up with an idea and that might be their only input into mm. the work. But if that idea is important enough and you wouldn't be able to progress any further without it, then I think there's no problem with co-authorship. Mm. Yeah. They shouldn't perhaps be first author. Yeah, I don't think they should be the cheese. a single idea is enough yeah. for that unless they did some work as well. But yeah, they should be the cheese. Or, I think. or, or lettuce, I think. 
Maybe some mayonnaise. Yeah, they could right. be maybe a dollop no, of mayonnaise. Is, mayonnaise is important. May- yeah. All right. Oh, look at this. What about the pickle? Shit. Sorry. Because some people don't like them in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah you would bring up one. pickle, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. 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 Penis shaped. Anyway. Well, so I, I did this course. Thanks, Chris. Chris, calm down you. Calm down yourself. Um, so I, I did this course, which actually spawned this podcast, which was the, the radio introduction to radio course. Mm. Um, and... I should see if you'll pay me for an ad <laughs> <laughs> for us for all of our nearly three hundred downloads. Shit, really? Yeah. Is that is yeah. that tens of people? That's tens of people. <laughs> yeah. I think that's Kate, my partner, watching it most or listening to it most. Take that, all those people who said we'd fail. <laughs> Take right. that, motherfuckers. But one thing that he said to me during that, which really stuck with me, if you get too many people who come and come and contribute to an idea. You actually end up getting the least worst idea. All right. Well, you've got a really good example. In fact, you might as well, Cameron, of of projects where you've got multiple uh, supervisors. Yeah. So how does that pan out? Is that true? Would you say based on your experience with what, five supervisors on one five project? Five supervisors, what, What's the yeah. most number you've had, Cameron? Oh, I had three supervisors for my PhD. Mm, okay. Um, and it, we, I would have, I'd have... Papers with seven plus pub, mm. uh, authors on there, though mm. I didn't really have meetings with any more than three supervisors. Well, you know what it's like to have five. So, yeah, five. would that, would that, in your experience on, on that project, would that, would you say that's true? Well, if you imagine a room full of, it's a two D room full of balls, and someone has an idea and they just throw this oh, into. Yeah. And then it just bounces off someone, and they go, uh-huh. "Yeah, and and it's like it's like improv. Uh, yes, it's just and. like boom, yes, and boom, yes, and boom, yes, and and so what it ends up becoming is something that was meant to be just this simple, like boom, this little kind of nice little flower, and it's just turned into this beanstalk, and you yeah. don't know how it got there. Yeah, but you're almost certain it's going to be ugly. <laughs> like, yep, yep. Well, that is a situation where ideas are easy and yes. ideas are cheap. Yeah, it's more this when I, you know, walk into your office and I say, "Hey, Andy, how about we just uh, add some epoxy into your transparent conducting electrodes?" Yeah, that's a much less cheap idea mm-hmm. that you couldn't just. Uh, so I, I throw went away. to a couple of your meetings and 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 I remember in one of you know because I did the that did a bit of work on one of your papers, and they were all there, all your bosses. Don't fall yeah. asleep, Cameron. <laughs> This is going to be interesting. And it was, it, we talked about an effect we saw on some of the measurements I made. Do you remember the silver nanowires? Yes. And we saw an enhanced Raman signal on them. Yes. And that may not mean much to, to many people out to there. To the potters. But it was a little, a slightly interesting little bit of work. Let's say it was that. Yeah. And one of the academics in the room said, that's really interesting. We should explore that further and we could turn that into a paper. And yep. I reckon that person would that would have been their only contribution, but they would have expected their name on the paper for yeah. saying that one thing for going. Yep. You should do more of that, and that's it. Uh-huh. And that was when I remember sitting there thinking, I can see big disadvantages to having that many five people supervisors. Yeah, <laughs> because someone just goes, "I agree, paper, please." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm also in the room. <laughs> And just for the record, I was here. <laughs> I'm awake today. 
<laughs> Please put my yeah. name in the mix. <laughs> yeah. But I think that with the ideas, it's really um, for a project, you want your your big idea, mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm making this, or I'm just exploring this area. And then it's just little ideas along the way. Yeah. Um, because you do want to be doing something new. You don't want to just be following mm. um, something in the literature. Yeah. Mm, those little and really ideas knowing which is the best idea to do next yeah, that's yeah. Tough. is, yeah. is yeah. really tough. Yeah. And um, I'm saying a lot in the people I talk to that when they trying to, they might ask me, what should I do next? Yeah. I say, well, you could do, you know, one, two, three or four. Yeah. I guess uh-huh. the next thing you should do is this. Yeah. But if you guess differently... I'll support that decision. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> mm, mm, because, mm. you know, you do need to tell people when you're guessing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Certainly academia, as you get higher up, there's a sense that you need to know how science progresses and yeah. you know the right step. But you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. You're, you should say you don't know if you don't know. Yeah, sometimes the bravado and confidence is, is really important, but... Sometimes it gets in the way of actual yes. progress. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. That's very Have fair. you guys ever taken part in one of those, uh, like a brainstorming session with like a big piece of paper where you start with an idea and it like storms out? Yep. <laughs> I Why can't a brainstorm? Recall. It um, sounds painful. Well, it's all just this like a written down form of this yes and conversation. Yeah, true. Where yeah. you might get to some crazy end idea mm-hmm. but the small ideas along the way to get there completely get lost yeah yeah mm. Mm. and i think in brainstorming as well it's easy to come up with crazy ideas mm. but then again you know, I, I go to some meetings sometimes and it's basically no 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 let's go for the craziest idea we possibly can mm. because that's the only way we'll get funded yeah well i was a scribe for a arc center of excellence meeting mm. and the day started and they were like, any idea is a good idea. You've got to say it and you can be right out there and it's not a problem, right? That's how the day... And I was like, wow, this will be really interesting. Even though I was just writing and sort of capturing ideas, I was like, this, mm-hmm. is, this is going to be very interesting. I remember one of the academics going, what we need is a nano architecture from which to build food and 3D print food, right? Okay. Crazy idea. Yep. Mm. It's out there, captures mm-hmm. the imagination. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember going, that's the ideas they need. They need these yep. ideas. Like, it sounds mental. And it, you know, it does sound mental. But it's nice. It's got a nice ring. And, you you know, you can take a thing and print food. It's, and it's important. It's important. That's right. All yep. these things. The first comment from academic, well... I don't think we really should be looking in that way. And I'm like, you've just said (laughs) that any idea should be said and should be respected and all these things. But what you really mean is say the right things to get this meeting over and done within three hours. We can have our cup of tea and we can leave. I I think in a way that's because that's what we're trained to do. That's, That's how we do a lot of our research. So to come up with something really... Oh, what's the fucking buzzword now? Innovative or yeah. new or something like that. It's actually really hard. I mean, yeah. but if you want to get funded, they're the kind of stuff, that's the kind of stuff you've got to come up with. Yeah. So a new segment 
is science this. Science this. We take an everyday task and use our transferable skills to science the shit out of it. Boom. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask, how would you science something? And you guys are going to tell me how you would science it. You ready? Yep. How would you science cleaning your ears? Well, I think that what you really want to know is you want to be knowing what's coming out of your ears and how much is mm. coming out of your ears. So I'm so you'd weigh it. I'm weighing, <laughs> and I'm thinking maybe like you're not doing it at all, and maybe once every seven days yeah. you're taking it out, weighing it. You're writing yeah. it in your notebook yeah. just to make sure that that number is not increasing yeah. or decreasing. And then I'm also wanting to maybe. Um, I guess color is important. So you've got so you've got a you've got a table or a, a, a table that's got time in weeks. Yep. It's got mass. Mass. We've got color. Color. And then uh, maybe odor. Mm. And odor. Odor. And well, uh, and I'm not taking it. Or you know, that's the best biosensor in the world. Is the uh, is the nose. Oh, yeah. Au contraire, I think taste should also be included. Oh, God. <laughs> Consistency Hang and on. Uh, so chunkiness. In this, <laughs> oh. in this graph, it would just be disgusting, disgusting, <laughs> disgusting, week 12, disgusting. Oh. No, I think by week 13, you're like, I'm getting used to this. <laughs> <laughs> But I'd have to do a bit of research on what exactly is uh, earwax. Would be oh, something I'd like so to know. So your chemical composition. A little bit. I mean, uh, obviously it's it's a waxy substance, but why is it bitter tasting? Apparently. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> nice cover, Chris. Shit. As a friend tells you. <laughs> so you went for like color, mass, and I went for removal. So I'm talking removal technique versus um, mass. Okay. Mm, and okay. so finger, because what do they always say? Like, don't put anything smaller than your the, your elbow in your ear. Your little finger, I think. Well, who told you that? My granddad. I think it's like, <laughs> don't put anything in your ear was the message. <laughs> Confused me for years. Because I think, yeah, with a cotton bud, you might be able to get quite a bit of material out of the ear with a cotton bud, but yes. then you have to get it off the cotton bud. But if you weighed the cotton bud beforehand, now it's all then good. you um, whizzle it around, get the yeah. wax out, and then weigh it again. The difference will give you the the wax mass. There we are. So wax mass. So we've got cotton bud, finger. Finger's mm. going to be a bit different. So you have to scrape it off your finger into yeah. a pe- into like a weighing. And you can't just you know. weigh your entire body before and after. Uh, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> that's. <laughs> 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 well, you can, but the error, I think, yeah, you problem there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my question is, of the times you have cleaned your ears, yes. what color, what's, what color is, is the material that usually comes out? Or what range of colors have you actually seen? It's quite pumpkin, pumpkin-y. Pumpkin-y. I think that's quite normal. I had a friend of mine who hadn't cleaned his ears uh, for years. Oh. And when he started, one day someone said, oh, you know, no, 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 it wasn't me, I swear to God. It was a guy called John Holding who was actually on a TV show called Paradise Beach. Um, And someone said, you never clean your ears? He goes, no, no, never. So someone gave him a cotton bud, he put it in, turned it around and pulled it out and what was on there was black. Yeah. And after he'd done it about 20 or so times, gone through 20 buds, he actually said at the end of that, oh, I can actually hear a little bit better. That's pretty disgusting. Yeah, there you go. Oh, 
All right, kids. There we are. So clean <laughs> your be, ears regularly. Don't be like John Holding. Don't be like Jonathan Holding. Yeah, mate of mine from uni. <laughs> Famous for a year. John Holding, you, you may have looked good in a ponytail like Chris did, <laughs> but clean your ears out. <laughs> I saw a documentary once where someone was keeping their earwax and using it to wax their car. <laughs> what? No, you didn't. I did. <laughs> a whole <I> documentary. <laughs> no, it was about... <laughs> You did not. It was a documentary about freaky like people who kept weird or had uh, weird habits. There's lots of those you shows love these days. Yeah, yeah I've yeah, loved it so yeah. much. And this one guy <laughs> yeah. collected earwax, kept it in a little container and buffed his car with it. And what did his yeah. car look like at the end of it? Did just, it look all right? Or just does it, it really smell orange, really bad? Was it an orange car? No, from memory it was red. It's <laughs> <laughs> close. <laughs> oh, lovely. Thanks for listening. Music is provided by the excellent Adelaide-based band VoiceRom, so you should absolutely check out their stuff on their Bandcamp website. And special mention to Jared Payne, who does all of the um, writing and production for VoiceRom. Thanks, Jared. So he's the person that sort of helped us out the most with this. Thanks, Ding. dude. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app or yep thing software thing and also like our official facebook page that chris doesn't even know about mm. facebook and finally and sponsor for this week cameron that was published parish or podcast brought to you by future sponsor introductory to radio <laughs> andy did it so uh it's got to be all right Very good. that was good australian radio school <laughs> there's some fucking money coming our way <laughs> Fill our coffers, motherfuckers. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> All right, final farewells. Dr. C.T. Gibson, currently 988, citations on Scopus and climbing to 1,000. We'll celebrate when I get there. Bye. Bye. <laughs>